this is gonna be a good one to kind of just explain uh, some of the tricky things that are going on here. And the key to this one is that you needed to really identify how do I say it? you needed to be able to rule out the differentials that were actually going on. That was the real key of this particular case is the is the differentials that you needed to rule out. Okay, so I'm just going to quickly read out the the case really quick for you guys. So that way you guys are all on the same page. Okay, so the case was your call to a 32 year old female in the driver's seat of her truck. Bystanders say she is confused and acting strange. She is conscious and seems to be sweating a lot. Vitals, skin, warm, flush, diaphragmatic. Level consciousness, ANO times two. Eyes are pearl. Respiratory rate is 26, normal breathing, normal depth, sorry. Pulse, 128, strong and regular. Okay, temperature is normal. Blood pressure is 151 on 98. BGL is high, okay, that reading is high. Most uh, glucometers will read high when you get above uh, 32 millimeters, or sorry, millimoles uh, per liter. And SpO2 is 97% and tidal CO2 is 31, okay? So like I said, there's one thing that we need to be checking out here first, okay? And the thing that we need to be checking out here first, or the question that I asked you guys was, what are your three initial diagnoses? That's a really, really important question to discern. Okay, so what is your three initial diagnosis? Okay, so that's what I want you to put in the comments right now, both on Instagram and on Facebook. In your um, in the comments, I want you to tell me what are your three, okay, three initial diagnoses for this particular patient. Okay, I'm gonna give you a few minutes for that. Throw it in the comments. What are your three initial diagnoses? If you saw the video of the person last night, the, the patient last night, um, then you kind of have another and more context to it, but I want you to say what you are thinking your initial diagnosis in. Okay, so Foo Fighters says hyperglycemia. Uh, I'm just gonna pop in here into the Facebook side. We have hypoglycemia, okay. The question is, what are your three initial diagnoses? Okay, so we got a lot of people circling around DKA. The vitals, skin, warm, flush, diaphoretic, level of consciousness is ANO times two, eyes are pearl, respiratory rate is 26, normal depth, pulse 128, strong regular, temp is normal, blood pressure is 151.98, blood pressure, or sorry, BGL is high on the glucometer, and SpO2 is 97%, and tidal CO2 is 30 hyperglycemia, I'll do the same, but the, so Thomas is kind of going to work around here. He's saying that DKA, uh, the non-ketone acidosis or ketoacidosis um, hyperglycemia, we'll talk about that one, and hyperglycemia. So that's basically, a, he's kind of going to catch all with this one. That's pretty funny. Uh, good one, Thomas. Give me something other than, um, give me something other than something that's hyperglycemia. Is there anyone that thinks that this is not, or maybe initially, Let's take it out, or even if we took out the BGL, okay, took out the BGL that says high. Is there any other diagnosis that we could investigate and rule out? What do you guys think? Sepsis? Sure. Okay, because I think when you come up to this patient in particular, I think you're going to really struggle figuring out um, exactly what's going on with this particular patient. I think that's going to be the challenge at first, okay, is that you're going to be like, okay, what could it possibly uh, B, ETOH is another one that's coming up. I think it's an incredibly astute one. Definitely something that we need to look at. Stroke, they're altered. So I totally agree. That's definitely possible. Intoxicated. I think these are all uh, help syndrome. Sure. Yeah. Um, there wasn't any, 
there wasn't any outward signs of that, but I mean, maybe we need to investigate it. Uh, autoimmune disease, like thyroid storm, sepsis, these are all really good indica or indications. Seizures, maybe she's postlictal, lots of great stuff, okay? And so the whole point of asking this question is that when you initially walk up to this patient, there's a lot of things that could be going wrong, and there was. We intentionally did that uh, with this particular patient, okay? Uh, steroid use, Excellent, excellent answer. That definitely could be one, something that's going on here, which could mimic some of the issues that are going on here metabolically, okay? But there's a lot of things that are going on here, but the key thing is that we need to narrow them down. So once we start narrowing them down, we can start to identify a few different ones, okay? One thing is we do a BGL and it says high, we can start really narrowing in on the metabolic disorders that could be causing a high uh, blood pressure, or sorry, BGL, my apologies, um, and then there's the, uh, the case of her uh, being a um, having a high heart rate, everything like that. And so high heart rate, um, being confused, those are also really good indicators of dehydration. Okay, dehydration would be another thing that we could probably look at there. Is like, and that goes hand in hand with uh, diabetic emergencies. And so I agree with you. I think that definitely you can open, broaden your horizons of what it possibly could be. And you can, as soon as you get that BGL, you can start to really narrow it down to like, okay, let's start focusing on the fact this is probably some sort of diabetic emergency, okay? Now, in your experience, or when you are looking at this particular patient, the signs and symptoms, and everything else is going on in this particular patient, are you thinking that this is diabetic ketoacidosis? Or are you thinking this is hyperosmolar, hyperglycemic, non-ketoacidosis? What do you think? I'm gonna get you guys to throw in a comment here and tell me what you think. Is this a DKA or just is this a HHNS, okay, or a hyperosmolar, hyperglycemic, non-ketoic state? What do you think? Given all the symptoms, signs, symptoms you see, and the vital signs, which one do you believe it is? I'll give you a few seconds there to answer that guy. And while you're doing that, I'm gonna bring up the whiteboard, which I haven't done in a while. What do you guys think? Smell, HHNS is, uh, Kirchie's guess, Thomas Howard, HHNS, because the entitled CO2 isn't high, HHNS, or NHSS, maybe I, there's another couple ways of saying that. Tell me the smell. Uh, no ketones. I mean, that makes it easy, but there's other things you can look for, even if you can't can smell the ketones. Okay, so let's look at this whiteboard for a sec. Okay, you guys can see it there. Let's pop it over here. Okay, there we go. There's a the whiteboard, so HHNS. Okay, now what I'm gonna draw here is basically what's gonna happen in this particular patient. This particular patient is in hyperosmolar, hyperglycemic state. Now the reason I suggest that over DKA, a couple things. One, there's no mention of ketones. Oh man, I cannot write like that. There's no mention. Ketones on breath. Okay, so that can definitely head us in that direction. So there's none. Okay, another thing that we can look at is the end tidal CO2. I'm gonna show you why in a sec here, okay? That's another thing that we can look at is the end tidal CO2. Now let's look at this for a sec, okay? So when we have hyperosmolar hyperglycemic state, the reason it gets that name in particular is because um, is because of this actually, this particular thing right here, okay? So when you have glucose 
and a high concentration of glucose within the uh, the bloodstream. What that does is actually going to pull the water, okay, the water from the cells here, okay, it's going to pull all that H2O into the bloodstream, okay? That's what it's going to do. So the H2O is going to pull into the bloodstream. So it's going to basically fill this up and fill the tank with fluid. Okay. That's the hyperosmolar that we're talking about, hyperglycemic state. The idea of this is to try and create some sort of balance. That's the issue there that you're seeing. Okay. So um, I guess it's backwards on Instagram. I apologize. I'm not sure how to reset the mirror. Sorry, I'll fix that out in another time. Uh, but that's basically what you're going to have. So you're going to have all that water pulling into this. Okay. Now, next question is going to be, okay, um, the end title CO2. Now, I said that. Now, the answer to that is that it's not going to be a particularly um, low or super low. Like in this particular case, it's not. Okay. It's 31. Okay. 31 is what we're seeing here. In a patient that has DKA, we're very likely to see it, okay, below, okay, below 24, okay, below 24. We're very, very likely to see the antidote CO below 24. And the reason being is that in a DKA, okay, in a DKA, we have ketogenesis, okay? We have ketogenesis, okay? And a ketogenesis is simply the burning of fat for energy, which creates your ketones or your keto acids. That's in DKA. In a hyperosmolar hyperglycemic state, this is more something that's going to happen in a patient that has, um, in a patient that has type two diabetes, okay, type two diabetes. And so they're not in a complete insulin deficiency. They're in a relative insulin deficiency, which means that they still have some sugar production and it blocks Okay, HHNK blocks ketogenesis because there is some efficiency with the insulin. Okay, so that's why we don't see a significant drop of the antidote C2. We saw some drop because of the compensation of the dehydration, okay, and the increased heart rate. Well, we will see some drop, but like I said, in a true DKA state, we're going to see an antidote C2 much, much lower. Okay, and it's simply because of the ketones that are going to be created or the ketoacidosis because of the ketogenesis that's going on. In this HHNS, we don't have this because it's not a complete insulin deficiency. Okay, so that is the pathophysiology as to why we're seeing the signs and symptoms that we are seeing. And if you're ever asking yourself, okay, am I seeing a DKA or am I seeing an HHNS? And the answer will often be in the DKA or in the end title CO2. Okay, so this is something that can start developing over days or weeks. Okay, it's not something that just happens acutely. In this particular patient, it um, basically it was the series of events of driving and getting really confused that got people startled and called. So this could have been developing over a series of days, or maybe even weeks. And now it's to the point where she tried to drive and it's very apparent that she's very altered and confused and that came up in her driving. So that was kind of the concern there. Other things that you can be looking for, severe fatigue, thirst, frequent urination, signs of dehydration like increased heart rate okay increased rest rate to compensate really dry sometimes she was diaphoretic i threw it in there intentionally um and then also altered okay and those are the kind of things you're going to be looking for in this particular patient so a lot of things that you need to be thinking about here but the thing that you're going to be really looking for okay 
thirst, frequent urination, if they're able to answer those questions, fatigue, dehydration, okay, and an altered mental status. And the end-tidal CO2 will help you determine if this is a HHNS or a DKA. Okay. Not that the treatment is really that much different, but the nice thing about HHNS, even though it does have, when you are in HHNS, there is still an eight to 20% mortality rate. But the thing is here is that we can start to determine that and we can start to alter our treatment plans or at least give a heads up to the hospital and say, you know what? Our entitled CO2 is 31 right now. we got her calm down. She's getting up to 35. If you see that trend in your entitled CO2, we know that it's very unlikely that she's in DKA. And almost, I think, 90% um, accuracy rate that if they have an entitled CO2 above 24, thanks, Jeff, for giving us that study to show to look up, that they are not in DKA, but they could be in an HHNS. Okay, so what treatment are we going to be looking at for this particular patient? Just going to make sure I didn't miss any questions. I think usually in DK and HHNK, they are dry, not diaphragmatic. Um, not necessarily. Basically, the metabolic state actually alters their ability to control sweating. So if you look at up and my, my resource, I was using Medscape for a couple of things and I was using a couple studies for the other. It's uh, often they are dry because of the, de the dehydration, but really the, the actual metabolic changes that are happening can all just alter the sweating. Okay, or alter the ability to maintain uh, sweat. And so uh, not necessarily always dry. And that's why I threw that in there because I want you guys to kind of think more about it. Will electrolytes or any labs values be off as well? Um, yeah, so the biggest thing that you're gonna be looking for is obviously the BGL is gonna be the big thing there. Fluids, ringers, uh, usually normal saline, saline is the one they go for. Labs reveal low bicarb. Uh, potentially not necessarily low bicarb, like it can creep up, like they can have increased bicarb levels, uh, as the metabolic, um, as metabolic acidosis increases, you will see, um, bicarb start to increase or, you know, act overall concentrations increase in order to compensate for the metabolic acidosis, but that wouldn't be till later. Uh, would you see it in the HHNS? Uh, no, not particularly because, you don't have a, a, a true metabolic acidosis going on because there's no ketogenesis being created. And so we actually don't have a massive, um, at this particular point, we don't have a massive metabolic acidosis problem. We have a severe dehydration problem, which in turn will turn into a major problem and a severe, like not just a body dehydration, but a cellular dehydration. That's gonna cause some very serious problems. Um, but in this particular case, in, in this particular patient, a metabolic acidosis will occur, but not right away. Fluids, insulin, potassium, glucose, and Lasix. Good. Yeah. So fluids is your biggest one. They're severely, severely dehydrated. So we're going to give them some fluids. Insulin as well. Potassium. And an interesting one, we're going to start replacing their glucose as well. Okay. We need to maintain levels, not drop them drastically. And so we're going to be giving fluids, insulin, potassium. Okay, because they can go into a, a hyperkalemic state or sorry, hypoklemic state. And so glucose is going to be something there because we're basically just going to be dropping that sugar drastically. We want to make sure that we have a cushion there to replace it. And then Lasix. Okay, and the, the, the reason that we don't want to blow up their inputs 
other fluid inputs is simply because we're not going to be solving anything in that particular case. And then Tyler saying, confirming the anti-LC2 is low on DKA due to the respiratory compensation and secondary to the metabolic acidosis. Correct. Okay. So Tyler's asking, is the entitled CO2 low on the DKA due to the respiratory compensation secondary to metabolic acidosis? Yes. Okay. The entitled CO2 is alarmingly low, alarmingly low because it's trying to compensate for severe metabolic acidosis. What can be done on a PCP level? Fluids is the best thing that you can do. Why potassium? Uh, because the severe dehydration actually causes a hypokalemic state. And so uh, potassium can, again, in turn, correct that or help that after fluids as well. It's all due to the dehydration that's going on with this particular patient. Nico says he loves the page. Awesome. Glad you guys are liking the page. It's cool going in live on Instagram at the same time. I got to figure out this mirror thing so nothing's you know backwards, but it's been fun. Any other questions? How'd you guys like the style of case study that we did here? By style, I mean, how'd you like the way that we did this with the video and the vital signs in it? Was that fun or was that good? Did it give you more context? What do you guys think? More sugar makes sense, but I get crushed by my man. <laughs> yeah. That would be like a late thing. G? Foof says G. So he's saying good. Awesome. I'm glad you guys liked that on Instagram. What'd you guys think? What was the term for when the burned ketones for DKA? Uh, ketogenesis is the term that we used in order to, um, to talk about that. Ketogenesis in turn is the burning of fat cells, which creates keto acids. Very interesting. Awesome. Tyler's on his way to work listening to this. Well, we're actually going to turn these breakdowns into podcasts as well. So I think you guys will enjoy those. Awesome. Glad you guys enjoyed that. Um, these next two weeks, we are, or at least these next, this, yeah, these next two weeks, we're going to be covering all diabetic emergencies. Okay. So Kyle has a con ed diabetic emergencies class coming up at the end of the month. Uh, we're doing a um, ask the instructor on Thursday with Kyle as well. He's going to break down four questions about diabetes and I'm going to be doing diabetic pharmacology on Tuesday. So lots coming up here this week um, for um, um, this. Yeah, we're going to be doing a lot of these kind of things this week. Uh, all these videos are going to be on Facebook for about an hour. Once they are done, then we take them off and put them in the membership. And so if you're looking forward to these classes and you don't think you can make all of them, it might be time to become a master medics member. And, uh, and so that would be something that I would highly recommend if you want to catch all these classes, because only members get access to the recordings of these particular classes. And so if you're interested, um, definitely, definitely check those out emails on those yes you'll get an email on sunday night monday morning on the times for those classes okay so uh if you guys are struggling in school or you want a a, a resource that's taking all of your textbooks and turning it into video classes that you actually want to learn from that's what mastery max does okay and so i highly recommend jumping on that taking a look join and do a three-day trial check to make sure it's something that you want to use and if it is, awesome. You stay with us. If it isn't, you cancel. No hard feelings. Enjoy the live stuff that we do here on Facebook. Uh, but if you want the huge benefits of being a member, really increasing your grades, crushing that stress because you're literally learning like on point all the time, 
that is what we can offer you inside the Master Medics student membership. Uh, Kirchie is asking, what's the cost of the membership? So it's $30 Canadian per month, uh, which is about $22 US per month, or you can go for a longer plan, which drops your cost significantly. A one-year membership is uh, $200 Canadian, or 165 US for a one-year membership. So it's a pretty darn good deal. Uh, or you can do on the payment plans as well to make it even cheaper and or and distribute it. Okay, so that's pretty legitimate uh, for the, all the content we're gonna be, all the live stuff, the access to all four of our instructors, everything, including our interactive scenarios. So that's what we did here. That, uh, that patient that you saw there in the scenario, that was of a longer form scenario uh, that we do. And we do interactive scenarios where you literally make decisions based on what you see in that video. And you can develop yourself as a practitioner, your critical thinking skills, and get feedback from us based on your decisions. So you want to check that stuff out for sure. So uh, that is what I have to offer you tonight. So hopefully this is a good case study breakdown. If you have any questions at all, feel free to comment. This one will stay up for about an hour or so, and then it will be taken down and act and members will have access to it shortly okay so enjoy your saturday night hopefully this was a fun time for you to kind of get an idea of what this case study and we will talk very soon bye for now